Oh, Dave. Yes, Matt? Happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. How was it? Thank Tell you. me everything about the day from the moment you opened your eyes. Um, okay. Well, magical. Um, it, it was a really great day. Nothing really happened until about halfway through. Ben has been super busy at work. Um, a whole bunch of like titles dropped at the last minute and he was like, I want to be fully free and clear for the day. So he was, he was off in his studio and, um, and I was on like a group text and, you know, with my family and, you know, blah, 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 happy birthday. Got, you know, the cards and stuff that I had amassed from the, in the week. Um, I, uh, opened the, the lovely delivery from Helen's Wines from a Matt McConkie, the, uh, unbelievably thoughtful, uh, all time gift card from producer Renee dropped oh. at, the, at the doorstep with a beautiful balloon. It was like, oh, this is lovely. Like, uh, this could not get any nicer. Um, and then, uh, so then in the family group text, my middle brother who we have the same birthday, um, was like, did you watch it yet? And I didn't know what that meant, but I was like, okay. Um, it, was, it wasn't it was spoiled, spoiled, but I was like, okay, there's a thing. There's something, Something's happening. Um, so, uh, so, yeah, so then I was like folding laundry in the bedroom and, and Ben was like, stay here. So I was like, okay. So I stayed in the bedroom. I was like, I'm, I'm, on, like, I'm under house arrest in the bedroom. Mm-hmm. Um tried to get like a DVD to work with our DVD player which only which never ever works cuz who watches a DVD anymore it's just it's yeah. committed suicide out of boredom um so so finally he was just like come out to my studio and so I said fine and uh, and there was uh a chair set up and his whole video editing uh system and he hit play and it was just a solid hour of pure love my man had put together a a, a video uh, of family and friends and and coworkers and like if to the point of like, uh, hey, we were on the same uptown sex train in 1997. I just wanted to wish you a happy 50. But I mean, like, truly wow. went so like, how did you find these people? Um, it was, uh, it, it was just so. It was truly emotionally overwhelming. Yeah, um, I can. I can only imagine because I, you know, I I envision this thing being like a five minute video. Because mm-hmm, if yeah. you got a, if you got, I don't know, twenty people and everyone's doing thirty seconds. Yeah, this was an opus. It it was long, and I, and and it okay. So Ben showed me the email, and he, and in bold it said, um, you know, film and landscape, uh, twenty seconds or less, whatever. And some people really stuck to that. Um, I, I believe I you and Renee yep. both stuck to that. Um, and then some people just didn't. I'm, I actually turned 51 during uh, <laughs> my friend Scott Gimple's segment, which uh, involved a sock puppet. Um, there was uh, there was animation. There was dance. There was uh, song. There was comedy. There was heartfelt uh, emotion. It was, you know, it was my roommates from when I lived in New York. It was, you know, it, it was people I met last year doing trivia over Zoom. It was uh, nieces and nephews galore. Um, uh, uh, it, my mom trying not to uh, be an Irish uh, woman and cry through the whole thing and failing miserably. Um, it, it was, it was just absolutely everything I wanted. And I, toward the end of it, 
was crying so hard that I was lightheaded. Like I, I oh my definitely, my brain was starved of oxygen. Um, I, I truly like, I, it, it was like happy tears and it was all happy, but it was yeah, like, yeah. you know, oh, I got misty, but then by the end of it, just fully heaving sobs and, uh, which then caused Ben to collapse into full heaving sobs. And then, uh. um, so while we're watching this, our sort of quarantine pod is, is, uh, congregating in the backyard. So, um, and we got a late start. And so one of them like went over to Ben's, uh, like studio right at the end of it just to check in and see if we were okay. And it was just when we had thrown the door open and we were like fully shoulder action sobbing. Um, So yeah, it was, it was a lot. And then we tried to watch it a second time uh, at the end of the night when the sun went down on the projection system. But I was like, I was like, I I love you all, but I can't, I can't right now. I will revisit this, but it's just so it's, it was emotionally overwhelming in the very best way, in the very best way. So um, that will be thank on, you again uh, for being a part of it on Twitter at home. We'll obviously <laughs> upload that to my YouTube channel. Uh, no, it's it is so sweet. I just have the in, individual videos on this thumb drive. I've revisited a couple. It, it was it was just a really nice. It's nice to know um, that you know people are thinking of you, and 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 it's nice to know that um, that you've made good choices in uh, in friends and coworkers uh, through the years, which uh, years you're, you're so knew. loved. And uh, I'm not surprised at all. You, you deserve it. And you're so sweet. But I, I'm so happy that it it Ben managed to make it an extremely special birthday. In spite he really of, did. You know everything. He really, really, really did. He really did. Yeah, I'm. I just am absolutely stunned. I, you know, I wish that we could all be in person. I love it when people I love mix with one another, and someday that will happen. Um, but for now, I have this beautiful thing, and I'm, I'm just so I'm so grateful. So thank you. Thank you again, both of you, for being a part of it. So moved. Also emotionally moving, Drag Race UK. I love it so much. I love it. How, how far along so are you? Where are you at? Um, I want to say we're five in. Um, we're one past Snatch Game, I want to say. Great. Oh, you're almost caught up. Yeah, almost caught up. Yeah. Um, it's the, the personalities are. Are, are just so beautiful and funny, and I, I love so many of them. Um, I love Bimini. I love Tia Coffee. I love Lawrence Cheney. Um, I, I love Tace. I'm, I'm just really, I, I've really taken to them, and it makes me want to fucking travel again. Can't say enough about Drag Race UK. It's so good, and I mean, welcome home is all. Thank I can you, say. thank you. And that's that's you know, how I feel. I have a feeling this is just a hunch mm. that we'll have some some of Drag Race UK's uh, best and brightest on the show sometime soon. I don't know what makes me think that. Yeah, I mean, it's almost as though there is some sort of milestone, some sort of new step in the evolution of this show, some sort of, um, well, announcement. Um, yes. that is maybe imminent. I don't, yeah, I just, I, that is a feeling that I have too, and it's difficult to put into words, but that's how I feel. Yep. Uh, because this will be our, this is our last pre-announcement show. So mm. this, this, by the time the next show drops, yeah, announcement will already be out there in the world. It'll it be will be a new world. Mm-hmm. It will be and, a world you know, that uh, it contains wonder. And and joy and color and um, 
and enthusiasm. And wow factor, you know? A real wow uh, factor. That's exactly right. A real wow factor. What better way to usher in this new decade for Dave Holmes? I thank yes. I couldn't agree more. Brand new chapters, and I, I love it. I'm excited. There's a helicopter over my house. I don't even care. <laughs> this is bad, um, though. That's a bad, that's flying low. There's probably a murderer loose in my neighborhood right now. Anyway, uh, you know who's not a murderer? Oh. How about that for smooth? Uh, this, you know who's a, a charmer? Oh, charmer, sweet, sweet, non-murderer, uh, writer and talent and... And, and and little dreamboat. Yeah. Uh, hilarious, one-of-a-kind Bridger Weinegar. He is a writer for shows such as uh, Black Friday. Uh, Black Monday. Black Monday 2. Um, <laughs> Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Yes. Um, he hosts the wonderful podcast, I Said No Gifts, on the Exactly Right Network. Um, I was a guest on that show. I re-gifted the board game that Dennis Hensley brought when he was on the show. That was my gift. Oh, on I said what no an gifts. excellent gift. There it is. No, he's a dream. He's a dream. You're going to love him. And then um, when this episode is over, you're going to go to YouTube. You're going to look up a certain video. We're not going to spoil anything. And you're going to spot him. And mm-hmm. you're going to be you're going to be amazed. That's right. It'll be worth Enjoy. it. Even though the song is garbage. Bridger Weinegar. Folks, we're back with Bridger Weinegar. Hello. You guys. It's so nice to see both of you. So nice to see you. <laughs> you uh I, I mean I was telling you this before the podcast. I think you're both in Los Angeles, right? Yep. Yes. I mean, Dave, you you look like you're. It's a nighttime setting, and Matt, you're in a bright, sunny setting. So I feel like I'm talking to two people on diff, on opposite sides of the coast or something. Yeah. But it gives me a little bit of everything I need. Yep, that is what we hope for. It's just I'm in an office with some dark wood paneling, and I'm I love dark wood. It. it suits you. It's a it's a cozy, masculine vibe. Oh, thank and you. And I yes. only use this room because there is so such a big window there to just blast out, you know, what you have what you have to look at. But I don't you, have a single a single place in my home with natural light coming in from a you know, like for Zoom settings. It's always I've got to find a different uh, lighting situation. It's very painful. What are we working with now? Because you look you look gorgeous. Oh, God bless. I'm sitting in my back office, which is like a I think it was supposed to be meant for like a little apartment or something, but it's got like a tiny, essentially a submarine window, and then the rest of it's just darkness. It's a cave. Is this a ring light? That's this is a ring light, this? which my oh, boyfriend smart. bought uh, and I'm now using. I, he buys the things that we need that uh, I refuse to buy and then I take advantage. Great. Sure. Well, it's, it's being put to great use. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. God bless. How are you guys doing? We're fine. We're freezing. Oh, my God. I've got a coat on. It's legitimately cold in Los Angeles. That means it is 59 mm-hmm. degrees. Um, and we are, uh, we're, we're really, we're struggling through it. It's, uh, it's cold. It rained briefly, but anyway, it's cold. It's rainy. We're stressing. How are you getting through it? Um, you know, I'm doing okay. I, uh, better than there was the point in the pandemic that I had gotten used to everything. Like November, December, I was like, 
okay, this is what it is. And then January rolled around and it was like, it just felt like a reset. It felt like we were back at the very beginning of it. And I was just emotionally wrecked for a while. Mm. And now I'm climbing back out of it. My family, at least in Utah, most of them have been vaccinated at this point. Uh, We've got Dolly Parton getting vaccinated. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, we're all, it's going to, be okay eventually and i'm happy about this rain because the absence of rain has been scary this year yeah it's uh usually we get like two weeks of blade runner rain in december and we did not get that this year so i'm just watching everything die can you walk me through your morning routine oh (laughs) step by step from the minute you open your eyes step by step right now in pandemic that could be it could be anything so for example this morning i woke up at about 7:45 a.m. It was so cold that I didn't leave the bed until about 8:40. Uh I just laid there just hoping I could fall back asleep and uh you know. So I finally got out of bed and uh ate my protein bar with my coffee. Did a little reading. I usually do a, some light reading in the morning. And then I spent I think 2 hours just looking at my phone at the kitchen counter. Uh, because I had, uh, until this afternoon, right now, I had nothing to do with my day. So usually every other day I'll work out. So that's the one thing that will give some structure to my day. Um, but usually it's that light reading and then the day is kind of a shapeless blob that may have one event that's usually about 45 minutes long. And then we get to dinner. And when you say light reading, it's that is not on your phone because the phone the phone time is a separate chunk. Separate chunk. This is either in a book or on my Kindle. Um, right now, I'm reading an actual physical book, which is so refreshing. And what is it? What's the uh, book? <laughs> I'm so glad you asked. Um, I'm rereading this book. It's called The Dog of the South. It's by uh, Charles Portis. It's um, he wrote the book True Grit, which the Coen Brothers movie was based on. This is um, all of his stuff feels a little Coen's uh, like within the Coen's universe. This is about a guy traveling to Belize to find his uh, uh, is it Belize or Belize? I feel like I'm Belize. really fucking up that trans. If that, it is Belize, I've never said it right. I feel like if I said Belize, people are like, what's happening? But yeah, he follows his wife and her uh, boyfriend to Belize, Belize. And uh, it's, you know, like there's light crime elements. There's shady characters. There's a church run by an old woman who puts on movies for the local kids. Uh, it's very funny. It's kind of violent. Uh I, yeah, I like his books. It's also very dry. And it's a morning read. That part is intriguing to me. Morning read is the only time I've, I've just recently begun tipping, dipping my toe back into night reading mm. where I'll get in bed and read because I finally realized after 10 o'clock, I am just looking at my phone and I'm not reading anything of value on my phone. I'm just scrolling through garbage. So I'm like, why not just get in bed and fortify myself in some way before I fall asleep. That's very smart. Morning read. I encourage it to anybody. You know, you get a good half hour of reading while you're eating breakfast and you get to tell your partner to be quiet multiple times. And uh, yeah, I cannot, um, I can't get involved in a, in a book before bed because if it's a page turner, then I don't go to sleep. Right. And if it's not a page turner, you fall asleep while reading. Mm -hmm. 
So that feels like a lose-lose. Yeah. I interviewed Craig Finn from The Hold Steady a couple of weeks ago. Right. And he his solution uh, is at bedtime, he like took Twitter off his phone. Instead of scrolling through Twitter, he uh, downloaded a bunch of terrible um, rock memoirs uh, oh. onto his Kindle. So he'll just read like two pages of a terrible rock book. The right. Dirt or, you know, or whatever. <laughs> and just like read a couple pages of that. It's just as gross, but it doesn't make him personally feel as bad. Right. And he, he's like at least probably filling his brain with new information. I feel yeah. like on your phone, I the information I got on the internet, I got at 9.30 in the morning. And for the rest of the day, it's just being retreaded throughout the day. Or it's just pictures of Ted Cruz. So it's like, yeah. why not get a book that gives you some new information? about a rock star's horrible life. Yeah, exactly. What, what do we think of uh, Ted Cruz's turn into stand-up recently? I did not watch this. Okay. Uh, well, I think you'll get more chances. The, uh, I'm sure I will. Hopefully. I mean, hopefully he'll start doing the late night circuit. Um, I, I can't do it anymore with these people. I've, You know, last year was, we really filled up and uh, now I'm just like, please stay out of my days i can't look at it anymore yeah. what was the what happened he's just he thinks he's funny he thinks he's funny now that's his thing is he thinks he's funny so he's he's grown a beard like uh donald trump jr he's got oh. sort of the 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 cadences of senior um right. but with a very child actor um stand-up delivery Oh, like no. a child actor going out for a local commercial. Um, oh. He's he's really hit certain words. Oh, and uh, yeah, it's gosh. real. It's real gross. And I assume the material is cancel culture, this sort of thing. Oh, of course. That... Of course. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I hate these people is so much. It is so awful. I can't believe how many dumb conversations we are having in our culture right now. Just about imaginary oh, shit while real shit is happening. Of course. The Dr. Seuss thing. I like, I'll just have glimpses of these each day. Or I'm like, I don't even want to spend time on that because it's just fully a, an imagined problem. Yes. It's like they, these, the, uh, it's so frustrating. And why can't we focus on things that are somehow tangible and real and affect society in actual ways. In it anyway. drives me out of my mind. Yeah. Uh, the news just, I uh, saw it before we got on. Um, uh, Dr. Seuss books are selling through the roof on Amazon right now. Of course they are. So everybody gets to uh, be right by complaining about the thing that isn't happening. And then also be right by like, now, you know, now we're winners because everybody's buying the book. It's like the dumbest people right. in the world get to win and also get credit for endlessly complaining about losing. Right. And meanwhile, someone's dying somewhere yes. and uh, something's getting blown up. Yeah. And, yeah, it's just it's too much for me to even handle at this point. It is truly. I want to be involved, horrific. but I don't want to be involved with the imaginary bullshit anymore. I can't. I, can we please just cut it out of our lives so we can focus on things when it will feel actually valuable when we put our time in instead of swatting away Ted Cruz? Yeah. Yep. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm getting worked up. Yeah. Okay, before you get too worked up, what are you watching these days? Oh, what am I watching? Okay, so, you know, the last year we really just burned through everything 
of value on television. Um, it's so it's been a challenge, but uh, well, let's see. What have we been watching? We started rewatching Sopranos, which is always delightful, much funnier than I remember. Um, we're watching on the opposite end of fun. We're watching It's a Sin. Are you guys watching It's a Sin? Yes, Matt is. One more. I have not yet. Okay, what do you think, Matt? Uh, are, did you watch them all? No, we've watched three. I love it so much. Uh, it, we do have to parse it out. It's tough. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, you know, I it is one of the things where I'm I'm crying almost more after the credits roll than I am in the moment. It right, really st- stays with me. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I feel the same. I mean, it's chill. It's. I don't want to say it's wonderful to watch. It's 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 very good television, um, but each episode is just so so heavy. And it, it it's weirdly like a murder mystery too. It almost feels like we start out and it's like who's going to die, and it's yeah. in this weird way. Um, but it's fantastic. I mean. We loved uh, years and years, and uh, so I was really excited to watch this. Uh, I guess the good thing is, is you can only watch a little at a time rather than just power through it and then have nothing left to watch like we usually do. So this yeah. will probably take a month of television and uh, just to have something to look forward to to watch on TV other than Shark Tank yeah. is wonderful. I mean, the other thing that uh, was keeping us going was Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, and now that's done. And you're from Salt Lake. I'm right? from Salt Lake, so it was it was like the, a mutant trip home every week. Was... So t- tell me everything. What was your experience? Do you have any connections to any of these people? Uh, I don't have any connections, but I started, you know, I would post about them. On, I would post clips from it on Instagram or whatever, and friends from home would start messaging me with intel. I have a friend who has had... Uh, some contact with some of these ladies. She's seen Mary get in a fist fight. What? Uh, yes. Um, I, I don't even know how much information I can tell because I don't want to reveal, but she knows one of the women, like she almost had to send to collections for not paying a bill. I, I don't know if I can name which one of the housewives because I don't want to connect the friend to this thing. But uh, these ladies are out there wreaking havoc through Salt Lake City. And so... Who else? Oh, I know another person who knows Lisa. I won't say who knows her, but... Speaking uh, of Ted Cruz, a Ted Cruz Cruz supporter. She's a Ted Cruz supporter? Yes. What? Of course she is. These people are so horrible. They're just the dregs of society. The worst. And and I'm sorry I interrupted you. you, What was your friend's take on Lisa? Um, it was, you know, it was a lot of, um, upside down smiley emojis, which I think are, I, I think were well, uh, deployed in describing how this person operates, but you know, she's horrible. Lisa lives in, uh, a city called Draper, Utah, which is like throughout Salt Lake, there's the, the, uh, term Draper mom, which is exactly what she is, which is like this living way beyond your means, uh, just, but then feeding your kids Del Taco every day. Mm. And uh, she's horrible. She's an awful person. I think that's pretty clear. I I want to get in a feud with her. It's my dream to be like her enemy. So I I want that for you. (laughs) 
Though you have a better chance at it than any of the rest of us, though. You're so much closer. Yeah, you could you could make it happen. Right. I feel like I just start stirring the pot now, and within the next year, there will be some social media war or something. Yes. What what is her what is her story? What is her behavior? Why, why is she so odious? She's just very loud and stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, she runs a tequila company. She's she I think calls herself the queen of Sundance or something. But you know she's just like one of these people that's at Sundance parties, annoying people and like a sloppy drunk, tr- trying to take pictures with celebrities. Um, she has this. Uh, her house has not a single thing on the walls. It's very weird looking. It looks like they just moved in. Uh, both of her kids look deeply malnourished, and it's because they're literally <laughs> like eating a Del Taco and Chick Fil A every day. They're d- walking around with seventy-four ounces of uh, Dr Pepper. Um, the husband, I, who knows what's going on there? Uh, there's just a weirdness that's. Uh, hard to describe and then she's i guess technically mormon she says she's mormon but then doesn't really live the mormon lifestyle but is so proudly mormon so it's like what are you getting out of this it's very weird behavior it's very odd and 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 never is not drinking like a giant diet coke right says it says it all um and is abusive to her husband just mean just a mean, her weird, sickly husband. I will say the giant diet Coke thing is just, uh, it's very common to the Utah culture because no one could drink coffee. And so you need as much caffeine as possible uh, without drinking coffee. So you're going out and literally getting 64 ounces of soda. I mean, I was guilty of this at one point. Uh, just, It's a very odd, like, thinking coffee is unhealthy, but then literally just... Uh, artificial sugar you're yeah. eating like four pounds of it a day what's the workaround for caffeine that allows diet coke but not coffee <laughs> it's the grand mystery of mormonism gotcha. it's uh you know there are a lot of mormons who won't drink any e- even a caffeinated soda but that's a smaller part of mormons mormons largely will drink coke dr pepper this sort of thing but will not drink coffee or a lot of them tea Wow. So, but we all, I mean, objectively, soda is poison. So it, yes. Uh, <laughs> I have a, uh, I have a good friend who, uh, who dated a Mormon for a long time, like sort of a half lapsed Mormon. And they would go back to her family in Utah and visit on occasion. And every time he came back, he was like, I can't believe how much candy I saw adults eat. <laughs> um, because that's, that's your vice. Right. You know, you do have You're to turn to certain things as you grow up. Right. But he's just like, I'm I'm hanging around with men my age and they're eating a thing of sweet tarts while I have a beer. Oh, no. That's... I mean, I look, I love a good treat. Sure. I eat two cookies a night, which is not probably not normal for an adult. Uh, but what yeah. kind of cookie? Yes. Explain everything. I, I look, I'm baking cookies constantly. Uh, wow. Most recently, I made some. Uh, chocolate peanut butter cookies, which mm. are similar. Have you been to Levain Bakery in New York? No, no. Their cookies are fantastic. Or they were. I haven't been there in a while, and they're rapidly expanding their locations, which is, to me, always a red flag. Sure. Hopefully they keep it under control. But they're just these giant, like, softball size cookies that are borderline, I don't want to say raw in the middle, but underbaked in the middle. Uh, 
but a little bit crispy on the outside. They're phenomenal. And I'm and making. Are, is, are you making that size? Are you recreating that size? And that's what I, I'm not making that size. I'm making them a little bit smaller because you know I'm trying to keep it under control over here. Uh, but I'm making a similar cookie, and they're delicious. I also one of the two things I accomplished this afternoon was I uh, figured out what was wrong with my KitchenAid mix, mixer. It was uh, it was adjusted incorrectly. So I got on YouTube and somebody taught me how to do it. You drop a dime in the bowl and I'm not going to get into that. I'm, <laughs> I'm just trying to make myself the least appealing podcast guest <laughs> of all time. <laughs> I I'm also fascinated. drained my dishwasher today if we want to get into that. Oh, my so. God. You're living it. We are in the middle. Well, I guess we're sort of – no, we're right in the middle of Girl Scout cookie season. Do you uh, avail yourself oh. of those? Dave, we've actually talked about this on my podcast. We have, haven't but, we? Yeah, right. It's because it was literally last year that we were recording right before the pandemic. Yeah. Uh, I like a thin mint. I'll go on record as loving a thin mint. Mm-hmm. I, that's essentially the only Girl Scout. I don't want to get in trouble with the Girl Scouts. I think what they're doing, as a former Boy Scout, and I did not support that uh, organization whatsoever, despite being an Eagle Scout, uh, I think the Girl Scouts are doing good things. Yeah. That said, I need the Girl Scouts to step it up on the quality of the cookies. I think that there are a lot of misfires in the Girl Scouts catalog. Yeah, I mean, yeah the, 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 your dosy dos and your shortbreads, and I don't need anything anything to do with those but are you samoas look samoas tagalongs everything in theory those cookies should be my favorite food in the world they should be the thing that i desire most they have all of the ingredients i need in a cookie but somehow it ends up being i'm not tasting the flavors like i should the chocolate and peanut butter it's just more of a sweet waxy flavor is that do you feel like Am I am I insane? Is no, that, no. Am I off base here? No, I just like that sweet waxy flavor. I think. <laughs> so, Dave, right. you're a Samoa. No, absolutely not. You Any, like the anything Samoa. with um, Samoa is the one with coconut, right? Right. Yes. Coconut can get fucked. Um, I do. I like the chocolate and peanut butter. I like the shortbread, and I think we did talk about this last year. The s'mores flavor that is new. You like the s'mores flavor. I do like the s'mores flavor. Yeah. See, once again, I love a s'mores. Do, you, do we say a s'more, a s'mores? I don't know. The actual s'mores that you make around a campfire is one of my favorite things in the world to eat. Yeah. The s'mores cookie, it, it might as well be a – it's not even the same in the same category. It's inspired by – it's like a, an essential oil version of a s'mores. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, like uh, the LaCroix s'mores flavor. It's like, what What does that have to do with s'mores? Well, I mean, you get that it's little hint of graham. Cracker. You get that little hint of marshmallow. You get that little hint of chocolate. That's all you need. <laughs> this is what I should have. This is what the Girl Scouts need to do. Get an actual graham cracker, put some marshmallow fluff on there, and then dump chocolate over it. That's a, a s'mores cookie. But what they're doing is like, a, like if you ran s'mores through a trash compactor. <laughs> <laughs> am I am I wrong? I, 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 I think thought wrong. you didn't want to start something with the Girl Scouts. I know every time I get into real. this, uh, this I feel like this will lead to my cancellation. <laughs> I love the Girl Scouts, and we should be buying their cookies. They uh, thin mints are delicious, and I also think the Keebler Corporation should be sued into oblivion for copying all of the Girl Scouts cookies. Yeah. They're doing all the same things, but without uh, the profits are they're just going into the shareholders' pockets. Yeah. Girl Scouts. Are out there busting their asses. We should be supporting their flavors. 
what 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 is the point I'm trying to make mm-hmm. here? The Girl Scouts are great. I I just wish that we could get a better cookie. I mean, maybe someday I, I find myself in the organization. I'm happy to be a consultant, whatever. I, I very <laughs> low pay, whatever you need. Um, I'd love to hear more about your time as a Boy Scout. Uh, I I was a Cub Scout, and then in the the summer in between, when I would have graduated, the troop leader came to my front door and asked me not to <laughs> audition or apply or whatever you said. Are you serious? He was basically like. I don't remember what coded words he used, but he was like, you're too gay for Boy Scouts and you know it and I know it. And you know what? He was right. (laughs) And I was much better off. My only interest in it was that my sister was a Girl Scout and I couldn't be in that. So I was like, I guess I'll do this, but it sucks. None of it is. Anyway, what was your experience? First of all, fuck off with that. The Boy Scouts is kind of the gayest organization on the planet. You're doing basket weaving, whatever. I mean, so many of the things. I got the theater merit badge. I mean, most of the leaders are closeted men. It's, you know, like, it's a very gay organization on paper, I would say. And fortunately, they've kind of come around to allowing gay members, right? I think that's why the Mormon church split with them. Okay. I don't know. I'll stay so away maybe from I, I feel can, like I'm talking about things shot. I don't quite know about at this point, so I'll stay away from that topic. But for me, the Boy Scouts was, of course, uh, for a closeted kid, was absolute hell. You know, you're so, you have to go on camping trips with a bunch of straight kids who are like, you know, it's just like fart humor and talking about girls, and you're sitting there just alone, quietly wondering, you know, there's nothing... Then I also had this pressure to become an Eagle Scout. My parents required it. I can't tie a knot. I could not tie. I I couldn't tie my shoes until first grade. My little sister taught me how to tie my shoes. So that shows you my knot tying skills. I basically lied my way to the Eagle Scout, just cheated my way through all these merit badges. But every summer you have to go off for a week and live in the woods and uh, do things i don't know uh carve things weave baskets uh shower together which is deeply uncomfortable uh pitch and this tents. is like a high school is this, when you're an eagle scout no let's see when i was in i think boy scouts are essentially like 12 to no maybe 10 to age 15 or 16. If you're 16 and you're still in the Boy Scouts, you're a loser. Uh, I think I was out by 14. Um, Cub Scouts. Cub Scouts is the cool one. They've got all of, you get to be different animals. It's like, I feel like the uh, shirts are cooler looking. It's like a nice navy blue. And then you get into Boy Scouts and it's just for weirdos. You know, it's for weird kids. Like any kid that's actually into Boy Scouts is it has something going on in their brain. They're, they're, they're a loser. I, I think I can say that. I'm happy to be canceled by the Boy Scouts. <laughs> I'm one of you. Uh, kick me out. I, I would be happy to be disbarred from the Boy Scouts. Um, now, I'm curious about your parents requiring you to be an Eagle Scout. Oh, yeah. I'm curious about that, too. I don't know where their enthusiasm for the Boy Scouts came from both of my older brothers were also required to become eagle scouts and for whatever reason uh i don't know that my dad was that involved in the boy scouts but i guess my parents were just like this will help them build character or something this is a 
I don't know. I'm sure they looked at me and they were just like, this kid could use any skill. Maybe one of these merit badges will lead to some type of knowledge that he can use. And so they forced me through the whole thing, which was probably a nightmare for my mom because I was like, I, I was making her help me with all of these things. It's like, if I have to do it, you're going to basically be filling all out, filling out all of the paperwork right. and just helping me cheat my way through. I think you have to do a big service project, which was actually is like the one good thing about any of this. They require you to like, I think I gathered clothes for hospitals or something. Yeah. That's all it should be. That's all any of these things should be is do some good for the community and then move on with your life. Who cares if you can uh, make a friendship bracelet? Do something for the community. Yeah. I remember I, – I, I think I did a year of Cub Scouts and I remember the Pinewood Derby. Mm. Of course. Did you make one? Um, sort of, yeah. I mean I wasn't – I didn't have a whole ton of interest in it and neither did my dad. But what I remember is going to the the – whatever the race or the meat or whatever right. it was. Um, it, it was, ours was like in our parish, we're Catholic. Right. And, right. uh, and it was like, and we were kind of newish there and all the parish dads knew each other. And my dad didn't really know anybody. And I wasn't super tight with anybody in my year or my troop or whatever. And it was the first time that I was like, Oh, my dad's a little uncomfortable socially right now also. Oh. And, and it was like, it was kind of nice in that way. And it, ultimately I was like, I don't kind of give a shit if we win or lose. Some of these dads are going crazy about it. Some of these kids are going crazy about it. I'm just hanging out with my dad and, you know, getting oh, to know him. That's really a, a, like an unexpectedly sweet version of a Pinewood Derby. Yeah. Where it's like, usually the dad and son would bond over winning the stupid race. Yeah. But this was over how stupid the race was. It kind of was. I love that. That really warms my heart. Uh, yeah, yeah the Pinewood Derby. I, I mean, I, I'm sure I did it every year. Yeah. You know, you build a little, or my dad or my grandpa would build the car for me, and I'd tell them which color I wanted it to be. Yeah. And then you watch it race down a track. I guess. It's very odd. Something like that. That's very. It's just a straight track. I guess it's just like. You make it as heavy as possible, and then it drags the car down to the end of the race. I don't know. Who cares? Who, I don't understand where a lot of these things come from. Who cares? Weirdos. Yeah. It's a, a an organization of weirdos. And when you get out of that organization of weirdos, like in uh, around 16, uh, high school-ish? Back up, Matt. I'm no, no. Uh, thirteen. I, I'm not oh, going to be. I'm, I'm not going to be grouped in with the, the kids who could drive and were still in Boy Scouts. <laughs> I'm just still fuzzy on the like when you graduate from Boy Scout to Eagle Scout, and I was sort of allowing time for that. Oh right, yeah. So I guess it just depends on when you want to be done with it. So I like. I think I got my Eagle Scout when I was thirteen or fourteen, and then you're just done. And then you're um, done. Uh, I guess you can like continue past that if you're really out of your mind um but then uh a lot of i mean most kids just they were lucky their parents didn't give a shit and they just stopped doing it um but i had to go the full thing Matt, after taking a brief hiatus from outdoor activities and workout routines, it is time to get back to the grind with new spring essentials from Mack Weldon. They got 
body mapping technology. They have fabric mesh zones, Matt. Mack Weldon's stealth boxer briefs deliver enhanced breathability and support. And for sweatpants you can wear outside without feeling like you're wearing sweatpants, check out Mack Weldon's new waistline. I'm just realizing we should have called this podcast Fabric Mesh Zones instead of Homophilia. It's never too late. That's how much we love all things uh, Mac Weldon. Mm, 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 Dave Holmes famously in an inappropriate relationship with his ace sweatpants, as we mm -hmm, all know. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. But it's everything from socks to shirts to hoodies to underwear, polos, active shorts. The underwear that I'm wearing right now, uh, Mac Weldon promises comfort and a consistent fit from working out to going out to going to work, going on a date. It's for everyday life. And... With Weldon Blue, Mac Weldon's totally free loyalty program, you will get free shipping for life. Life, mm -hmm. life, life. Mac Weldon wants you to be comfortable. So if you don't like your first pair of underwear, you can keep them. They will refund you. They will not ask you one single question about it. None. For 20% off your first order, go to MacWeldon.com slash homophilia and enter promo code homophilia. MacWeldon.com slash homophilia, promo code homophilia for 20% off. MacWeldon, babies. Reinventing men's basics. Dave. Yes. If you're having trouble meeting your goals, mm -hmm. uh, difficulty in relationships. Interesting. Uh, trouble sleeping. Maybe. Uh, feeling stressed, feeling depressed. Mm-hmm. Mm uh, maybe all of the above, uh, yep. which is the case for so many of us. BetterHelp is available. BetterHelp offers secure online professional counselors who can listen and help. We are on record many, many times over saying that everybody can benefit from therapy. It just doesn't matter. You think you're healthy? Great. You can always be a little bit better, especially at a time like this. It is important to get your feelings out uh, to somebody who is listening actively and can help. Therapy is super, super, super important. And with BetterHelp, it is simple. You just fill out a questionnaire to help assess your specific needs. BetterHelp will match you with your own licensed professional therapist. Then you start communicating in under 48 hours. You log into your account anytime, send unlimited messages to your counselor. You can do video, you can do phone sessions. Everything you share is confidential. Yes, because even though we have very therapeutic and healing conversations every week mm -hmm. on this show, mm -hmm. I hate to break it to you, Dave Holmes and I are not licensed therapists. We are but not. the counselors at BetterHelp are. It's easy and it's free to change counselors if needed. Uh, it's a more affordable option than traditional offline counseling, financial aids available. So many people have been using BetterHelp. They're recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. And Homophilia is sponsored by BetterHelp. So our listeners get 10% off their first month of online therapy when they visit BetterHelp.com slash homo. So do it. Visit betterhelp.com slash H-O-M-O. Join the over 1 million people who've taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced BetterHelp professional. Do it. When you, when you were finally out at 13, 14, who were you in high school? Who did you become? What, what was your you know, scene? Uh, my scene, you know, I was very much an in-between person. You know, I like there was there were, of course, the, the seventh and eighth grade were the desperation to be cool. You know, wearing a puka shell necklace, cargo shorts, uh, as much gel in my hair as possible. 
Um, and then by ninth grade, I was starting to, you know, the braces were off. I was a little more comfortable with myself. Uh, but, you know, it, w- it would be another 18, let's see, how many years, probably 15 years before I came out. So still deeply closeted, uh, just trying not to be noticed. But uh, I feel like I'm uh, fairly easygoing. So I was able to be friends with a lot of people, uh, float between crowds. And then in high school, you know, I uh, leaned towards like the skater kid group despite not being able to skateboard, but it was more music taste, I suppose, that led me there. That's a cooler crowd. Yeah, look, I was very cool. Very cool. What's the music of the Utah skater crowd? Um, So in ninth grade, up until ninth grade, neither of my brothers really listened to music, so I had no real North Star or any guidance as far as getting into popular culture. I don't know how I did to be honest i think it was all purely by accident but uh ninth grade i bought weezer's blue album and listened to that on repeat uh for a good solid year which led me to you know various power pop and punk adjacent music um and then like in high school started meeting friends who would introduce me to older things 80s the smiths the cure uh new order um so i've always been kind of in that realm and that has kind of just bled into my adult life still a big weezer fan i have a i think anyone who likes the first two weezer albums is just trapped in the most complicated relationship with that band possible i mean it's uh, again this could just lead to me being the most appealing unappealing podcast guest of all time because i could speak for hours about how complicated this relationship is but uh no like i like i love the first two weezer albums and all of the b-sides around that era uh and then it's just kind of a slow bleed into there's a lot of embarrassment uh happening in most of their music past the year 2000 yeah um what is your what are your thoughts on okay human uh, i mean <laughs> i this is look i actually listened to that album uh, and i had kind of you know this is the cycle with weezers like there'll be a little bit of pre-album hype where like they'll be like oh maybe they figured it out maybe rivers cuomo has finally snapped out of it and is writing songs that are respectable and uh, what have you. And then I listened to the album and I, I just think it's bad. I, I think that Rivers, for whatever reason, at some point started singing like a cute baby, which is very weird to hear like a 50 year old man. And mm-hmm. his lyrics are, ex- I think part of the problem, I think this is with a lot of power pop bands like that, that is like they start singing as teenagers and, 20 year olds about things that are of interest to teenagers and 20 year olds. And then they don't outgrow that. They stop, they never sing about adult topics or mature into it. And that's basically what's happening with him where it's just like, what are you, you're a a full adult man. You're deeply into middle age. Like what, what are you, what's happening here? The production on the album, I think is very cheesy. The drumming doesn't work with the symphonic arrangements. It just sounds like, fallout boy or panic at the disco or something it doesn't work for me mm. i don't know have you guys it, heard it yes what um, do you think my 
my partner is locked in that eternal Weezer struggle oh, as well. I need to talk to him. I need yeah. I need a support group. Yeah, you do. You do. I and I I want to videotape this conversation. I want it <laughs> to be well lit. I want it to be released in theaters. Um, it's uh, yeah. So he. I have been kept abreast of what is new with Weezer over the years. Right. And I didn't connect with those first two albums as much. I was like, I, I think I was just a tiny bit too old for them. Sure, sure. So I liked them, but I didn't I didn't click. And so I don't have that thing that you have. I like Pinkerton. Right. But I don't love it. And so every so like when Beverly Hills comes along, I'm like, Oof. no, this is this is a terrible band. This is we are listening <laughs> to terrible music. Um, and then I've heard at least once every album that has come since that. And by the way, there have been like 80. Oh, there are so many. There was like, there's there so a period f- when it seemed like they were, like they had come back and embarrassed themselves and then were maybe just going to vanish. And yes. it's like, we're going full tilt. We're going to. Oh, guess what? One two every two years. Year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this uh, newer one is the first that I've liked in a long time. Oh, interesting. I mean, I will yeah. say. Look, the I, I feel like they had at least one or two prior to this one, which were just devastating on all levels. We're just like, I <laughs> didn't even make it through. Where it's just like, oh, this is, yeah. I think there's one where Rivers is rapping, which is just like, oh. truly what's yeah. happening. Yeah, um, and then there's the covers album. The sure. covers album is such, such a misfire because I'm fully in support of bands doing a covers album. But when sure. it's, you're literally doing karaoke versions of the songs, why bother? It's literally just to, it's a moneymaker. Like, I would yeah. love to hear Weezer's versions of some cool songs, of tastefully chosen songs that have inspired them. This is, it's literally like they went to karaoke. It's horrible. Yeah. Oof. What are they covering? Oh, uh, Africa by Toto. Yes. The, like, right at the height of when everyone was talking about Africa. So it was like such a, right. the, the song. Uh, not, it, it just felt like, oh, we bet we got to get this in. Because this right. is the thing that's on the internet this month. Humiliating. So, yeah, not not great. So this so this new one, I maybe it's just exposure because it's because it's Ben's favorite for a while. Right. Also, so it's it's been playing more, and may, maybe I'm just it's it's a familiarity more than it is an appreciation. But maybe that's what I need. I mean, I will say they have one called uh, they released in 2014 that Rick Ocasek produced and yeah. it's a decent album. You know, it's a good, I w- wouldn't say it's phenomenal, but it's not embarrassing. And then they have one uh-huh. called the white album more recently. That's like, I would give a solid C plus B minus. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, compared to a lot of their output, which is like, uh, a Q, I, I, way past F. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. um, you know, when they get something that I'm not fully embarrassed to be listening to, I feel like that's a win for them at this point. Let, let me it. produce one of their albums. Let me into the studio. I don't know that much about music, but I can at least like point at the dials and like take away some of the auto tuning and edit those lyrics, which are just always such a such a challenge. I will say this is something I can reveal about Beverly Hills, that horrible song. I'm in the video for the song Beverly what? Hills. Excuse me? <laughs> this was one of the weirdest things that has ever happened to me. Don't skip a detail. 2005, you know, I'm, I've am i now uh, explained that I've been locked in this Weezer cycle for all, sure. basically my entire life at this point. 2005 rolls around. Weezer's putting out a new album. There's that hope. Maybe they're going to do something good. And they've got a new single. They're doing a video for it. My sister has just turned 18. I think I'm, I had just turned 20 
we were both working at the same bakery. We had probably about $300 between us. And we find out that they're making a video and people can be in it. And my sister emailed and got us in onto the list to be in the video. Uh, my parents were furious, but we just bought plane tickets and flew to LA. My, they did not want my little sister going. She was still, you know, I look, I, until I was probably 28, I looked like I was about 11. Same with my sister. We both look like small children. So we fly to LA, get a hotel. Uh, I think we had maybe one meal while we were there at Panera, like had a brownie and each slit a sandwich. I remember (laughs) drinking a cactus cooler between the two of us. Um, And then, so we're uh, scheduled to meet at the, I think it was the Robinson's May parking lot in Beverly Hills. Uh, We spent literally the last of our money on a taxi to get there. And we get there. We had been told we were going to go to this cool mansion in Beverly Hills. And keep in mind at this point, like I'm still an active Mormon for the most part in the Mormon church. My little sister definitely is. And we get in this car with this guy, Monty Buckles, who is now like a lifelong friend. He's in a great band called Lamps in Los Angeles. Uh, But he's driving this uh, AMC Gremlin in the back of the car. And while we're driving, he's got this map. I look over the map and it says map to the Playboy Mansion, which at the point at that point, we did not we were going did not know we were going to the Playboy Mansion. And of course, I'm responsible for my little sister. Like my, my parents are already mad that I've taken her to Los Angeles. But at this point, we're trapped in the back of the car and there's nothing we can do. So we ended up spending the rest of the day at the Playboy Mansion, interacting with people, uh, we were of course like a novelty i think we were the only people from out of state let alone like and also two essentially mormon teenagers it was this giant novelty to the director to the band um and then we ended up in the video multiple times i look insane uh, my hair is like to my shoulders uh it's very odd and then we, uh pat wilson the drummer of wizard later there was like a rolling stone article about it he they asked him his favorite part of the video and he said oh these two mormon kids came from utah it's so crazy and now i'm in this video for this horrible song one of the worst songs maybe of all time uh <laughs> but it's uh, an experience that and are, are we are you and you're dancing and we're dancing in, in a crowd we're clapping and... our hands we're uh sitting on the grass have I, either of you been to the playboy mansion i have weirdly underkept i'll i'll say yeah. like a yeah. little uh grimy grimier than i mean it is the playboy mansion but you would expect it to be like the lawn to be a little bit better kept or something there's like birds yeah, the... everywhere Yes, the grotto it smells weird. Right. I mean, it's so humid and just like this. There's no way you can clean this thing properly. Yeah. Um, so it was a it was a very odd experience. But you got to hang out with the band. Sort of. I mean, uh, we got to meet Brian Bell, the guitarist. He was very sweet, and Pat um, Rivers, of course, is like a, a hermit. So you don't really get to interact with him uh but i mean it was kind of it was like the worst version of a a dream meeting a band experience because it's like oh we're here for your worst song objectively probably your outside of this rapping song that i just mentioned probably their worst song so it's did you 
experience it as their worst song at the time or were you just so overcome at the time yeah i was overcome and you could you kind of couldn't hear the song that well they're playing it through you know uh amps or whatever so it was like <laughs> a lot of the trashiness of the song did not come to light until it was released as, as a single and it's like oh this is rough but then you get to go back to Salt Lake and the video comes out and everybody could see you multiple times. Oh, of course. <laughs> I, I mean, what a thrill. People must well, have been so starstruck. Well, it was, uh, I can't remember what we ended up telling my parents. I don't know how that, I think my dad was like, my dad's very laid back and was kind of, he, he is like a, an active Mormon, but was like, he like got a kick out of the, that fact and nothing had gone wrong, but we didn't tell them until much later what had happened because we were both terrified. And I was like, uh, my parents are going to scream at me. Uh, but that's, that's the story of going to be in Weezer's worst. Also wow. a bad video. I mean, just, it's just all. I don't think I've rotten. ever seen it. It's I'll be not giving good. It a watch it's a very low concept. It's you take a band to Playboy Mansion and they play their song there. <laughs> I don't know. Everyone who's listening is pulling it up on YouTube. Well. <laughs> uh, of course, of course. I'm, I'm just. I can't wait to see your wardrobe. Oh, it's you know this is the wardrobe of a closeted twenty-year-old. So and also my hair is extremely long. It's like kind of Ron Weasley-esque. The whole thing, it's a a different... I might as well be on a different planet at this point. It's very odd. How long were you rocking this long hair? It must have been years. I mean, I think I started in high school. And, you know, I I was in high school in, like, the mid-thousands, early to mid-thousands. So it was like when shaggy hair had kind of become a thing thanks to the strokes and that kind of group. So it was a long time. Not a good look for me, by the way. I mean, certainly not the way my hair should be cut. It was very weird looking. I look like a mom. (laughs) I doubt that's true, but I'm excited (laughs) to see it. I mean, in so much as you're comfortable talking about it, I imagine that that there is a certain tightrope that you have to walk in your adult life with the Mormon church now? Oh, sure. Well, I mean, I'm no longer a member member of the Mormon church. I mean, they have made their stance on gay people pretty clear. Sure. Uh, but there is, there's still a line, a line I feel like I have to walk because there are still a lot of people I love and friends who are still in the Mormon church. So it's like, uh, yeah, it's an interesting balance of like still, I mean, I didn't come out until, I was 30, and so it's only been a few years. And uh, so there's still a lot of me like learning like, oh, you can live your life for yourself rather than editing it at all times for a thing that's no longer actually part of your life. Mm. It's, a, it's a weird hold it has on you for sure. And is your approach to just sort of avoid the topic when you go home and when you are with loved ones who are still part of the church? I mean, avoid the topic as far as being gay or just in not being Mormon? Both. Uh, in being Either. gay, I, like I, so I met my boyfriend who I've been in a relationship with for years at this point. Um, at, like a year in, I came out to my parents and I, like I had gone home for Christmas and I fully expected it to go south. You know, I like, 
I waited till the last day before I was coming back to LA to tell them. I was just like, I mean, growing up Mormon, you know people who their families disown them and worse, that sort of thing. So, but then there are people, there are Mormons who are very understanding. So there's just really no guessing how your parents are going to react to it. Um, and so I came out to them and I was, I was really surprised by how well they handled it. My dad was so warm and just embraced it immediately and it didn't matter. My mom took a little bit more time, uh, but was still very good about it. Um, and so they've now accepted my boyfriend into their lives. Like he's their own son. Uh, they're very good about that. So that part of it, I mean, the one thing that was a little, uh, that was surprising was I came out to them in December and my oldest brother wasn't present when I came out to them. And I thought, Oh, mom, will just tell him mom will spread the word about this to the rest of the family. And then I think in like April of that year, I was on a podcast and was now just openly talking about, my life and my oldest brother, I guess, listened to the podcast and that's how he found out. And so that's how a large part of my family found out uh, because my mom had kept it a secret, I think uh, for whatever reason. And thank God for that podcast because it fully, I think my mom hadn't fully, it wasn't fully normal for her yet. And then when she found out her siblings were like, it's not a big deal. And my grandma was like, it's not a big deal. Uh, that's when it, I think, was just okay. And now it's like, I mean, just a normal part of life for them. It's, uh, uh, the like not being Mormon thing is I sometimes a little bit of a challenge for my mom where it's like, I think she, in the back of her mind, still thinks that that could be a thing. And it's just like, well, it's not even my choice, so it doesn't matter. Um but yeah, even like when I'm on a podcast, I still find, I think there's like subconsciously I'll edit myself, which is like, I'm like, who knows who, like a family member could be listening. And uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's very stupid. It's, ultimately, it's all very stupid. You just never know who might be listening. It's a thing I forget. <laughs> right. We're having a conversation that just happens to be uh, accessible by anyone. Yeah, dozens of people of listening to this one. Yeah, <laughs> your numbers with me are going to drop by half. So <laughs> it, it'll be my parents and my oldest brother. Just saying, if there are any other life developments happening. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, how did you meet your boyfriend? Uh, on Tinder, we uh, like Tinder. Thank God for Tinder because. Uh, I wasn't, I was out to literally no one when I started dating men and Tinder, you know, like is location based. And my sister at the time was living, living in San Diego and I would go to visit her on occasion. And I had downloaded Tinder and I had initially had downloaded Tinder to meet women because in my mind, it was just like coming out is never going to happen for me, mm. but I was in San Diego and I was like, no one in LA will see if I'm on here. I'm, this is location-based. Every guy that comes up will be somebody that's not in my social circle. So I can at least look at how it works. And so that was like the first toe in the water. And then that made me a little more comfortable. And like, then I started using it in LA and started dating around. And of course, horrible date after horrible date and meeting all kinds of awful people. And then uh, Jim, my boyfriend and I 
started messaging and I was like, he seems nice, but he's also kind of annoying. He messages me a ton, which is not my thing. Um, But we set up a date and at Tatsu Ramen and uh, I got off work. I was working at Jimmy Kimmel at the time and I got off work and I was like, this guy texts me a lot. He's very, it's too much. It's too much. Maybe I just won't show up, but uh, I thank God I did. And then I met him and he's an overwhelming presence in person. He's like, he's from Jersey. He's Italian. He's just loud. And you're like, Oh, okay. That's why. I mean, he talks a lot. And so that just translates into a lot of texting and a lot of messaging and that sort of thing. This, and, but it comes from a good place. He's not annoying. He's just a talker. So that solved that issue. And now here we are. I mean, it worked out. I mean, I, I went on one other date after that with some other guy and he was terrible. And it was like, it was really, I think it's good, you know, to go on uh, a date after meeting somebody nice that you like. And just to confirm, you meet somebody extra terrible and you're like, yeah. Oh yeah, I've got some, something to compare right now. And, uh, I'll go on another date with this guy. And now here we are years later. How many years later? Uh, six. Wow. Six years. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah. We just uh, celebrated our sixth anniversary. One of those years he was on tour with Les Mis, uh, which uh, ended with the pandemic. So we had this real weird kind of, uh, you know, there was like a year where we were kind of in a long distance relationship uh, from 2019 to 2020 and then we're immediately in the closest quarters possible and we're only seeing each other so uh our relationship uh has survived some interesting things and, i mean i think we're at this point ready to absolutely murder each other but <laughs> it looks like it, uh, we might be able to start seeing people more socially soon so we're just hanging in there if you've made it this far, I think you're going to be okay. Right. I mean, it's it's been a rough. I, I don't need to even say it's been a rough year. We everyone knows that. Right. We've, yeah. But if you survive it, you've really made it. Right. Yes. Right. What was your worst Tinder date? Who was the most terrible person that you went out with? Look, the worst Tinder date that I went on. I don't, e- I don't even want to place the blame on this guy because who knows something was going on. I met, uh, this was, I was in, uh, at home in Salt Lake and I, uh, met this guy and we went out to this Indian fried chicken place, which was delicious. Uh, but he, something, something was genuinely wrong. He was not able to hold the conversation even at, a, like an elementary level where it was like, I I just literally, it was one of, and it went on for about an hour and a half because I don't know why I chose to go to a restaurant. On a, it like, it's such a dangerous thing to do on a first date because you are trapped. You, right. There's no out there. And so I just sat there asking him questions. He would answer and then just sit there until I asked him another question. And uh, so th- it was just one of the more uh, uncomfortable uh, it was probably the most uncomfortable hour and a half of my entire life. You know, I've never been on somebody on a date with someone who's like aggressively horrible, uh, just bad dates where like things don't line up. I mean, that, that last date that I mentioned before, I like the guy was into some, they, 
in maybe 15 minutes in, he revealed he was into some horrible band where I was just like, oh yeah, you suck. Like <laughs> this is going nowhere. Um, you're just so deeply boring. Um, <laughs> Which is worse actually than, than them being an aggressively terrible person because you're like, oh, then at least I, I have this funny story. Right. It's, there's, there's an entertaining element to it. Right. If a date isn't going to go anywhere, I want you to just light me up. Just be a <laughs> devastating person that I can tell everyone about and do something shocking. Right. Don't tell me that you're into some horrible folk band that's so <laughs> lame. Then, like, who, what do you have to talk about? So, oh my God. Bridger, now that the world is slowly coming back to normal. And you know that we have a backyard projection system. Right. The the Weezer Music Video Film Festival. Lord. That you and Ben can curate. <laughs> Look. Might win some converts. I will say those Spike Jones videos that Weezer did in the 90s, fantastic. That's Excellent. how Spike Jones launched his career. The yeah. Buddy Holly video. Uh what else? The Undone video? They're very cool videos. So you would get up, you'd probably get two or three good videos out of that festival before you landed on this horrible Playboy Mansion nightmare. Which I'm going directly to in a second. <laughs> and when when we come out of this, if there is a, if Weezer plays the, I don't know, Hollywood Bowl, would you go to that? No, absolutely no. not. I mean, if they really? were, I think if Weezer said, I feel like at some point they were doing like, there was that trend of bands doing like, we're doing this album and that's it. If Weezer was doing that, I would consider if one of their first two albums. Uh, I am not going to sit through a Rivers Cuomo rapping live. Uh, I am not going to hear Beverly Hills live. There are so many horrible songs in their catalog at this point that you're really rolling the dice with a live Weezer show. Can I tell you, I, I, we have to let you go, but um, when I was a freshman in high school, huge nerd, ended up go, by, sort of by accident going to a Weezer show with right. a bunch of seniors. And my other freshman friend couldn't, bailed, something happened to her. So I was so terrified. I didn't know how to act. I didn't know why, you know, why these people were with me. Anyway. At one point, I get separated from them, I think because they were trying to lose me because this was a standing room. Oh, no. People are moving around. And oh. so I'm just like in the crowd and uh, and everyone has one hand in the air and is, you know, jumping to the beat. And right. so I just start doing that. I'm like looking around, sort of taking my cues from everyone else. Like, OK, this is how you act at a concert. OK, this is kind of fun. I'm getting into it. I'm like looking around, looking around, now looking at the stage. I feel something in my hand and I pull my hand down and now everyone is looking at me and I have caught Rivers's hat what? by mistake <laughs> uh, and without even meaning to because I had the hand in the air and uh, luckily nobody tried to like fight me for it or anything right. um, but then the seniors you know finally found me because uh, I, I was getting attention and uh I was the hero of the night. What kind of hat are we talking oh. about here? Is this a beanie? It was, uh, no, it was a baseball, it was a tan baseball cap that uh, the logo was certified, which is a gas station. Oh, okay, so it's sort sure. of a, like a vintage looking what gas station this? cap. I was a freshman in high school, so this must have been like 1995. Oh, wow. So you were at a good Weezer concert. Yeah. That's amazing. What happened to the hat? 
I, I took it all the way to college with me and then had a friend who was a big Weezer fan. And when I told her that story, she borrowed it, <laughs> never gave it back. <laughs> and wow. I still, to the, she follow, we found each other on Instagram recently and I was like, hey, you still have it? <laughs> Did not respond. <laughs> she sells memorabilia. <laughs> Um, Did not expect to go this deep on Weezer uh, this hour. <laughs> no one ever does. No. No. Uh, Bridger, what a delight. Thank you so, so much for doing this. Oh, thank you. I love both of you. And I'm just having, a, I've had a wonderful time. And I'm sorry to have exposed everyone to this much Weezer. But <laughs> no. it was either that or my KitchenAid. So <laughs> next time, let's talk KitchenAid. <laughs> All right. God bless you. Thank you. 